school leadership is second only to teaching among school-related factors in its impact on student learning. And school leader preparation programs play a key role in facilitating that success. As the leading voice in educator preparation, the American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education, with support from the Wallace Foundation, engages higher education and PK through 12 partners in research, professional development opportunities, and collaborative initiatives focused on strengthening the quality and effectiveness of principal preparation programs. This new podcast series, which highlights cutting edge research from the Wallace Foundation's Knowledge Center on School Leadership, is one of those collaborative initiatives. In our final episode, we spoke with Paul Manna, the author of the Wallace Commission report released in October 2021, How Can State Policy Support Local School Districts as They Develop Principal Pipelines? Paul is an Isabel and Jerome E. Hyman Distinguished University Professor and the Director of Public Policy at William & Mary University. In AACTE's conversation with Paul, we summarize the state policy levers that can be pulled to improve principal pipelines and preparation programs, and the extent to which they are effectively being used. My name is Paul Manna. I'm a professor of government and public policy at uh, William & Mary, and I'm also the director of our public policy program here. My work focuses really on state policy as it intersects with the principalship. That's sort of my on-ramp into this topic. State policy is the thing that approves principal preparation programs, right? So a, a university can't offer a degree or a certification or things like that unless the state itself has agreed that the program that the institution is offering is is useful, is viable, etc. And so in environments where states are more or less just waving through whatever an institution wants to do, that's not really going to work very well with a local school district that's trying to develop principles strategically and in partnership with local uh, preparation programs, right? And so the state has a really powerful role to play if it wants to in setting expectations um, and also creating incentives for preparation programs to work in concert with school districts to help develop their own programs. Because often it's the case as times change, school districts face emerging needs and challenges in different situations, especially as, you know, populations of students change and other things in the environment change. And if if school, if preparation institutions aren't fast to catch up to those things if they're offering coursework and learning experiences that don't match the current environment, then it's it's not going to really help principals as much as it could for people who are going to go into those school districts. So one of the things states can do in their oversight role of preparation institutions is make sure there is this ongoing dialogue or connection between what the program is offering and what the school district's actually need. So you obviously don't want to just go chasing fads or whatever's the hottest thing that month. That can create a lot of instability, but still there can be some incentives built in that will help 
force school districts and preparation programs to work together. And hopefully then that'll help the prep programs better understand the districts that they're serving. And it'll also help the districts themselves understand, you know, what kinds of things could they do to help the prep programs themselves offer better programs. An example would be districts know certain things about their conditions that the prep programs might not, you know. Districts might have expert principals and leaders who could be great adjunct faculty or cooperating faculty in prep programs. So when that kind of dialogue is going and when states create an environment where that can happen, um, that's a great use of state power, I think. Paul's report describes a comprehensive aligned pipeline of parts that interlock to produce high-quality leadership for large school districts. This interlocking is essential, since prep programs do not operate in silos, and the state can have an influential role in making collaboration easier and more effective. The states can help to create the environment and the setting for districts and prep programs to work together through a variety of policies. Obviously, they create part of that environment, and then obviously there are other things in the environment, that in the overall environment that are beyond the state's control, but at least the sort of the policy context for a lot of this is up to the states. When states go to approve degree program. So let's say an institution wants to offer a a certain degree program for principals. One of the things the states can do is to say, all right, well, what kind of learning experiences will be part of that program and part of that coursework, right? And if everything in there is very disconnected from practice, if it's more grounded in theory, some theory is certainly important, but if things tip more towards theory and more away from the day-to-day practices that principals will have to engage in when they were, I guess, aspiring principals will have to engage in when they become principals. That's a place where a state could put the brakes on and say, wait, there should be more real hands-on kind of learning within this curriculum or within this degree program that you're proposing. And one way for a prep program to know what it might be offering for those activities would be to partner with the local district and say, hey, we think we should be incorporating more things like inbox exercises or simulations within our curriculum. Help us develop that so that we were actually giving people learning experiences that map onto the reality that they're going to find in schools. And so in approving these degree programs, if states actually paid attention to the details, paid attention to what the learning experiences are in classes, they can play a function there to help steer those learning experiences in ways that will forge some of that cooperation. All of this begs the question, what does effective state policy look like when it comes to principal prep? While Paul insists there is no five-step formula or a one-size-fits-all list, there are some general practices that tend to work well based on the research. So one important marker of effective state policy is to see the extent to which it's driven by, um, by standards. And so all states have adopted standards that sort of bear on the principalship and principal preparation. 
So that's kind of a low bar to clear, right? Simply adopting them. The real question is, do those standards get used to then drive things, right? In a coherent sort of consistent way so that when we're thinking about state policies that influence principal preparation programs, and we're thinking about other state policies that might influence licensing or say relicensing for people who are already principals, or we're thinking about evaluating principles on the job, right? Is there a common set of standards that creates this logic and this connection between all of these activities? And is there this coherence to, to what the state's doing? I think another thing would be to see the extent to which state policy recognizes that there's a lot of variation within states, right? So some big school districts that have a lot of resources in proximity either through universities or nonprofits, they can do a lot. They can be innovators. They might even be able to push beyond where state policy might want them to be. So you'd want to make sure that state policy doesn't hold them back in a way, right? If they're doing things that are research-based and getting results. And similarly, you wouldn't want state policy to make like big assumptions about, let's say, capacity that some rural or smaller school districts might not have, right? And so understanding that there is this variability across the state. And so even as a state's trying to make policy that affects everyone, if it can recognize these differences and provide supports when needed and provide flexibility when needed, that that can go a long way. I would say lastly, just to make sure policy is incentivizing good behavior, right? Give you an example of what I mean. One of the things that principal pipelines that are operating this sort of in this comprehensive and aligned way will do is they will identify, you know, people who are potential principal candidates, get them trained in prep programs, and now they're ready to go. But when a vacancy does emerge, and let's say it's in a school that requires substantial help, right? It's a substantial sort of turnaround type environment. The people who are operating the principal pipeline in the district might say, oh yeah, you're the right person for that job, right? Based on your experience, your knowledge, your training, we want to place you to be the principal there. And if this, again, if state policy creates an incentive that says, Nicole, if you work there, probably for the next five years, you're going to get a really bad evaluation <laughs> because that's what this, how the state evaluation system works. It might be really difficult to persuade you to take that position, right? And so that's a case where pipelines can operate, or sorry, where state policy can operate in conflict with the strategic placement of principles that pipelines are trying to do. That's one example. In closing, Paul leaves us with his concluding thoughts for us to consider when collaborating with state leaders. I think be a force for educating state policymakers just about some basic things, about their responsibilities over some of these areas, about the complexity of the different institutions involved, and about the important role that principals play in schools. I, I think, again, especially after elections, you have new leaders in political branches of government that come in, even state boards have new people coming in when appointment terms end and things like that, new state chiefs. So I think it's just this constant education that they have to provide. And it can seem sort of repetitive or sort of basic, but 
there is a lot of complexity and, you know, especially politicians in like the legislature or the governor's office, those people are generalists. They're supposed to know about everything, right? And so the more that this group can help them, I think the better. I think the other thing that they can do and they can talk about is they can raise examples of these sort of high leverage but low cost activities that states can do in order to promote improvements. I hope that your members and other listeners will find helpful is that this report is set up to prompt conversations. And be sure to stay tuned later this spring for a new report on principal preparation from the Learning Policy Institute and supported by the Wallace Foundation. You can visit www.wallacefoundation.org to subscribe to email alerts about upcoming report releases. 